Well, cricket and all of the, the attention now moves to Australia's tour of New Zealand, which starts next week. So it finishes up here, but it gets uh, up and running very quickly across the Tasman, the first T20 at Sky Stadium in Wellington. As we wrap up the West Indian uh, defeat of Australia last night at Optus Stadium with Bryce McGain, who's on the line. Good morning, Bryce. G'day, Matty. And, uh, yeah, the West Indies got their number again the last game. They did it in the Test Series and they've done it again in the T20. Nothing beats a dead rubber, does it? When you're a touring, when you're a touring outfit, you may as well just throw caution to the wind. To be honest, Bryce, when I was watching early, early doors on this one, I thought this thing was only going to go about five or ten overs, the way that the Aussies, or more particularly, the way the West Indies started with the bat. Yeah, they, they really uh, stuttered and, and couldn't really get going. They were five for not many, and uh, it looked like a, a daunting task. It had reminiscent of that uh, last one day they played where they got absolutely obliterated. But uh, credit to them and uh, to, to Rutherford and uh, Dre Russ. They put on an unbelievable partnership of power hitting. Um, it was so impressive. And, it's again, it's a positive sign for West Indies cricket. You know, they're not that far away. They're not just dead beats. Um, and, and that's the encouraging sign, I think. They've always been pretty good at T20 cricket, and that's where a lot of their players do travel the world and uh, show their skills. But uh, it was an unbelievable batting performance. And then with the ball, I thought they really outplayed the Aussies and just kept on, although Australia got a great start, Dave Warner, last chance uh, to play on Australian soil, really showed his skills. And, uh, you know, we congratulate him on an amazing career for Australia. He's still got a little step to go, a bit of New Zealand and then obviously into a World Cup in June. Mm. But uh, they just with the ball, they bowled incredible five-over patch that just put the game out of hand. Yeah, Davey Warner, 81 off 49. 54 of those came in boundaries, which is Davey's way. And he did confirm, as you say, that the T20 World Cup would be his last. But that's the last time we've seen him in Australian colours. In Australia, I guess throughout the summer that we've we constantly ask questions, Bryce, about where the Windies are at and what we can take away from, say, that second test win by the West Indies and, say, last night by the West Indies. But do we have to ask the question about where Australia are at in these, in these matches, and I mean this um, nicely, in these matches that don't matter in a series? Is there a suggestion here that Australia need to find a way to put their foot on the neck a little bit harder? Is that what Aussie cricket um, experts want to see? Um, look, I, I think it's a combination of a few things, Matty. I, I think one of the, the, the biggest things in last night in a run chase is that you wouldn't uh, have Glenn Maxwell sitting at five um, as the run rate sort of escalated a bit. It gave an opportunity to Aaron Hardy, and the more that he plays, the better he'll get. And uh, he just wasn't able to keep accelerating at the at the level at which, which Dave Warner was. And they, they were able to squeeze... Hardy a little bit, and then that put pressure on Dave Warner, and in, in quick succession, they were out pretty quickly. And then the pressure went on to a couple of new batsmen in Josh Inglis and, and, and Maxwell at, a, a little bit further down at five. So I think if it was a, a World Cup game or a, a, a game with everything on the line, I, I think the lineup might have been a little bit different. And, uh, you know, you'd use your major trump card and get him in there because the, it was, they were chasing a fair title. So um, I think that's probably where it sits, is that we have shuffled those players around. And, um, you know, George Bailey has mentioned that as well, that the number of players that they've had. So it's probably got more to do with that than Australia maybe taking their foot off the pedal. 
27 players for Australia were used across the three formats. So the test matches uh, against Pakistan and then the West Indies, then the ODI series and then the T20 series. Now, when they've broken all that up this morning in the in the paper in the Sydney Morning Herald, Bryce, I, my instant reaction was I would have thought there'd be more. I, I honestly thought that there'd be more players used and I can see the day where there will be many more players used because it's it's going to be pretty rare, for instance, that Australia goes through a couple of test series and doesn't have to change its lineup at all. And then we add, say, COVID, you add injuries, and then you add, for instance, the West Indies tour where they will want to or and did want to experiment. So did that number jump out at you as a as a big deal of of twenty seven across the three formats given the summer we've had? Look, I suppose more recently we're used to having two, three changes every game and debutantes and all that. But as you mentioned, uh, the Test Series is pretty rock solid, that Test team. Uh, not, not a great deal of change. Only Dave Warner from that Pakistan Series uh, across to the, uh, the West Indies Series where there was just a, a slight shuffle in the batting order, if you like. But, uh, look, I, I think the number is um, you know, it, it's fair. And I guess what the selectors are doing, and this is the encouraging thing, they're covering all bases. They know that there needs to be a transition period the last thing, and you know, some of the listeners will be looking, listening back, thinking back to uh, when uh, you know the, the Chapel and and Marsh and had, uh, so and uh, and Lily all retired at the same time, and uh, you know what an impact that had on the the team then, and we also know about the greats more recently around 2007 that put a bit of a dent in uh, how things progressed after that. So what they're doing is giving these players a taste, getting them around the environment. I, I think they're they're helping that succession plan for whenever these players do move on. We know that Usman Khawaja is closer to the end than the start. He's the same age as Dave Warner, just a little bit more hunger and maybe not with a T20 circuit on mine as well. So, look, there's going to be some transition. Our bowlers, there's going to be a transition. It's amazing how bulletproof they've been this summer. So I think they're, tr- they're, they're tracking it really well and I think they're also looking after the players better than they ever have, not just around... Mm-hmm how do you feel, but there's a lot of um, data behind how each player is tracking and monitoring so that they aren't risking players in breaking down. Of course, Australia just want the best players to be playing as long as they can. That's what their selector's objective is, and uh, I think they're meeting all those all that type of criteria. I think they're doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah, and, and, and you are you know eminently qualified to talk on this subject because you, you're the absolute case of never give up on that test dream because you never know when it's going to come. However, that, that means you've got to be around for a long time sometimes and you've got to be around the group for a long time. And, and George Bailey made the point that Sean Abbott is a good case in point here, continued to be around the groups, and then when he gets his, ch- gets his chance, he makes the most of it. So there's that fine line, Bryce, isn't there, of holding on to a player too long um, and and then letting them go too early, I guess, is the flip side on that. Yeah, exactly. And what they've certainly shown, and Andrew McDonald was a big advocate for this, is, is the fact that age really doesn't matter. It's about preparation and performance. And if the players continually do that at a high standard, high international standard, and what we have, domestic cricket at the moment is as strong as it's been. Uh, the last... Uh, well, the last four years particularly, it's really elevated itself. So it's now the best grounding for players to be international ready. We have players playing in domestic cricket who are international ready. Michael Nisa, you mentioned Abbott, 
Um, you know, Matt Shorts has spent a lot of time at batter from Victoria, and now he's international ready. Unfortunately, he's just not playing at the moment with a bit of a, a bit of a hamstring uh, strain. But what we're seeing is these players are absolutely ready to fire at the top level, and I think it's a, an excellent position for Australian cricket to be in. Is that age is no no barrier. It's performance, it's preparation, and, and let the players be there. Mm. Of course, it's worthwhile for the players to do it as long as they can rather than hit 30 and be burnt out. Um, so I think that it's credit to the players as well. They're really embracing the fact that their career can go on a, a lot a, a lot further for many more years than maybe the players of the past. And I think uh, recovery's got a fair bit to do with that as well. So Australia now focus on New Zealand and the Kiwis will be licking their lips that we're going to turn up on their doorstep because whilst they've got South Africa there, there the clash with the South African T20 League has just, I mean, you know, it's absolutely squashed that series over there. So they get the Aussies turning up, the world champions across everything basically turning up and here we go. So what do we learn, do you reckon, in the weeks ahead from the tour of New Zealand? Oh, this is going to be epic, Maddie. This is this nearly feels like an India series away. It feels like an Ashes series away. It's, it's only two tests. That bugs me no end, I can tell you that. I, we could spend half an hour on how annoying that is. But uh, the, the fact that New Zealand, they've revved their engines. Yeah, they've, they've knocked over South Africa, but they've been at the pointy end of test cricket for so long. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited with this. Australia playing in New Zealand, the conditions can be very difficult. The moving ball is an Achilles heel for a lot of Australian batsmen. So, yes, they've, they've had a good summer. They've won both series. Um, so it's just set up so nicely. And the form that those uh, New Zealand batsmen in particular are in, uh, Ravindra is a player to watch. He'll bat at four. He's an absolute star. He was in the World Cup and did it in the one-day format. Now he's doing it in the test format. Big double hundred. And, uh, of course, Kane Williamson. They've got a whole heap of batting depth and they've got bowlers that execute in the conditions. It's really, really exciting. I cannot wait. And the time zone is outstanding. <laughs> so we're not watching the middle of the night. I'm with you, mate. I'm pumped and ready to go. We'll be picking up the phone and speaking to you throughout that. Good on you, Bryce. Thanks for your time. Always great to catch up, Matty. Have a ripper day.